0: Hey, everybody, it's Father John Ricardo. Welcome to a brand new podcast entitled You Were Born for This. This is a podcast that's put out by myself and the team members of Acts 29. I'm here with two of those team members right now, Nick and Mary. Say hi, guys.
1: Hey, everybody. Good hey to be everyone. with you today.
0: We actually have another team member. Chris is sitting over there, but we just didn't give her a microphone this time, but maybe we'll give her one next time. Say hi, Chris. We can hear you anyway. She's nodding hi her head. Here. Hey, see, I'm telling you, we can hear you. Hey, we have, uh, in all seriousness, we've been chomping at the bit to get this podcast going, haven't we?
1: We have. We're excited. Yeah, we've
0: been so eager talking about this for a long time. We really are. There is so much that we feel like God's given us to say, and so it's great to get these going. We're going to try to get these out hopefully every other week. So just uh, put you on alert, so stay tuned. Keep that uh, refresh button going, and uh, we're going to try to keep sharing with you what it is that we feel like God has shared with us
2: Nick, what's our theme today? Today's title is A Crisis of Hope, and we're going to unpack that. But Father, will you open us in prayer first? Absolutely.
0: Yeah, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we ask for that gift right now, uh, that you'd give us all, especially in the midst of all that's going on in the world, in the church, a sense of hope, an increase in the, the gift and the virtue of hope, the hope that is rooted firmly and solidly. And what it is that your son Jesus has accomplished for us by his life and his death and his glorious resurrection from the dead. We ask that any of us who are listening right now who might have a sense of fear or anxiety or worry, uh, that somehow through us, broken vessels that we are, uh, you would just ease that and keep their eyes firmly fixed on you and on your son and the power of your spirit. So we hand this time to you. We ask that you would anoint it and bless it. And we thank you in advance. For all that you're going to do, we ask
2: all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, Father, um, just before we uh, sat down to do this podcast, you had shared an analogy with me um, that's really fitting for today, this first this first podcast. We share that.
0: Yeah. So the analogy is uh, really simple. So when you're in seminary, right, you, you're going through all these years of studying, and you know, by the time you get to the mic for the first time as a priest, like you got a lot of data to unload. And so the temptation, right, is I have to give you everything in this first homily. But that's a really bad way to preach because, one, we can't remember all that much and people can't absorb all those many things. So, yeah, the temptation for us right now as we begin first podcast is to share with everybody everything that
1: God's given to us. And we're going to do everything we can to resist that. Hey, just a little sidebar here. I remember a newly ordained first homily. It was yours, Padre. And it was on my birthday. It was July 7th. 1996, and I can tell you, I can tell all of you listening, that you had a word, and you delivered it beautifully that day. But that's just my aside there.
0: You know, I I heard. uh, I remember that day too. I don't remember what I preached on, but I do remember that day and how anxious and nervous and all that kind of stuff that I was. First time I ever preached in a in a mass as a priest. Here's uh, here's one thing else though that I want to just remind us of as we begin. So um, I had a great mentor at one point in my life, Father Francis Martin. Did you ever Father Francis at Franciscan? I did not. No, he passed away just uh, a year or so ago. Just a great man. Huge impact on my life. So he used to always say to us as priests and uh, and deacons, something as simple as this. You know, guys, uh, when you go to preach, um, make sure you actually have a word from God. Hmm. And if you don't have the word, just skip the homily, go right to the creed. Mm -hmm. And and we actually approach these the same way, right? So... um, we, we approach what we're doing in a podcast. This isn't a sermon. We want it to be uh, everything that you can do in a podcast format. But we, we only want to deliver what it is that God's
2: delivered to us. So we're, that's why we're asking for his anointing on what it is that we're going to do right now. That's right. That's right. And so in today's podcast, right. we're going to cover three things specifically. Uh, the first one, we really want to deliver a message of hope, right, in these times we're right. living in.
1: Right. And second, we, we want to explain to all of you what we at Acts 29 do.
2: Yeah, and then, and then the last thing we want you to walk away with is, is our conviction that you, me, all of us, we were born for this. So um, we receive a ton of questions at Acts 29, um, you know, whether we're on a, on a mission trip somewhere, doing, doing a mission, uh, or, or just in conversation, right? Someone catches you, sends an email, asks a question. You know, what does Acts 29 do? Yeah, and, that's the
0: most basic question. right? Is. Like, what do you do?
2: So, what do we do? Before we, before we specifically jump into what do we do, we're going to say put this in four question context. Who, what, how, and why, right? So. It's easy to remember. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. So, so I, want to, I want to say to everyone who's tuning in for the first time, right? Because this is our first one, that Father John and Mary have been a part of a team in, 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 in no small way where they witnessed and led. A radical transformation of a parish. Of a parish. So you could really say, in effect, they've quote done it right. And X twenty nine started in July of this year, twenty nineteen. Um, but but, Marion Father John, I mean, you know, s- s- share a little bit. You know, you, you've done it. You know, all this experience and wisdom. Yeah, I'd be really careful on that. It's like, I certainly wouldn't say we've done it. Um,
0: I think what I'd say is we've been there. <laughs> yeah. Um, we've done nothing at least i've done nothing i mean if anything's happened any place that we've had a chance to serve that was all god but i think we've had a front row seat to see in transformation personally in our own lives and then transformation uh in parishes as well so like like you just mentioned nick this might be the first podcast it's december you know for those of you who might be listening to this later Uh, but we started doing this uh six months ago as a team but I've been an ordained a priest 23 years. Mary, you've been working in parish ministry uh, with me at Good Council for the last, you know, five or so. But you've been parish ministry for...
1: Most of my adult life. Yeah,
0: so for, you know, for decades we've been doing this. Uh, and Nick, you were doing diocesan ministry mm-hmm. uh, in two different places, right? That's right. That's right. And before that, a little bit of youth ministry, so... Yeah,
2: where were you? Uh, I was in Lincoln Diocese for a couple of years, and then right here in our backyard at the Archdiocese of Detroit for about four years.
0: I think for us, it's just important, to, uh, especially for Mm -hmm. pastors who might be listening or people who are working in parishes, um, we get the grind, um, we get the challenge, we get the frustration. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about that as we go on today and then increasingly so in the uh, the episodes to come, but um, we get it. Uh, We're not just a bunch of people who came together and said, hey, let's do this cool thing. Um, We're really responding because of what it is that we sensed God do in our lives uh, and in the parishes where we serve. Right.
1: I would say that's a a great summary. We witnessed God move in power. It was clearly of the Lord. And so we're just eager to share with you what we saw him do and hopefully come alongside you, talk about that, equip you, and we'll have great conversations about that.
0: Yeah, and I think maybe if I can just jump on that real quick, I think one of the things uh, that's—here's one of those messages of hope— Um, What we saw God do wasn't dependent upon, uh, you know, Mary's gifts or my gifts or the gifts of the people who are on the team, even though God gave each of us gifts, just like he's given you gifts. Um, What he showed us and what we're going to try to unpack again in in these episodes uh, is easily repeatable. That's
2: the key. That's right. We believe that as we call them principles, and we'll talk more about that later, Mm -hmm. we believe these Mm -hmm. principles transfer, whether you're a small parish a large parish, an inner city parish, multicultural, right, there's so many, so often you go out and, you're, and you hear like, well that doesn't apply to me because of X circumstance, we believe in a, a large part what we're gonna share, principles apply everywhere.
1: Amen. So, yep. But Whether we're getting ahead of ourselves, yep. Yep. that's
2: gonna be a okay.
0: further episode, okay. you guys to right. tune in
2: for that. So, that first question, what do we do? That second question I should say, what do we do? What we do, put succinctly, is we work with pastors and their staffs to help them transform their parishes to help them get God's world back, right? That's his desire, to get his world back. Yeah, and that's our vision,
0: right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, we talk oftentimes around here, you know, the proverb, without a vision, Mm -hmm. the people perish. Um, So we often ask pastors, like, hey, you know, like, what's the parish vision? Uh, Hey, you know, hang on, let me go grab the bulletin, you know, or whatnot. Um, Vision for us uh, is paramount, right? It really does drive us. And as Nick just mentioned, our vision is just that God wants his world back, Um, We're passionate about that. That drives everything that we do. Um, But it's still not really easily understandable.
1: I think you could say that even more foundationally, correct me if I'm wrong, but the five of us have been called out of parish ministry for what? It's for the sake of parish ministry, right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, we talk often about the, uh, you know, much like God calls a man to leave marriage and family so as to care for marriages and families as a priest. So the five of us, Uh, who've all been involved in parish or diocesan ministry. We feel like God called us out of that so as to care for parishes in the way that uh, he's calling us to do and that we can.
1: And one of the beautiful things I think that we've talked about in this conference room is um, when we were in parish ministry, we didn't have an abundance of time to do two key things if we're really serious about parish transformation, to really think, to think deeply, and to pray. And we did those things, but not in the way that we're doing now. So, because we have been pulled out of parish ministry for the sake of parish ministry, we get to invest in those two really significant practices. To bear fruit, right, with those that we're going to pour into across the country.
0: Yeah, they might sound kind of scary to people, like you guys didn't think and pray. You
1: know what I mean, Padre. No, I totally do. (laughs) I I just want to tease
0: that out, right? So what that means is parish life for so many people is so stressful, and you're just engaged in playing whack-a-mole all day long, that you don't have time to do these foundational things in the way that you would like to do them, to really think through things in an elongated way, Mm -hmm. and to pray about things that are coming your way in a way that really allows the Lord to talk. And so for us, we we experienced the first couple of months in uh, Acts 29 is just this gift from God to be able to think and pray. And as we're doing it, we're realizing, man, I don't think we've been able to do this for a long time. So it's a joy for us to be able to do these things on behalf of places who are just downright frustrated They want to renew their parish. They want to see God transform it, but they're they're just challenged by the everyday reality that is parish life. So we're not real bright. We're not real smart. But God's given us something, and we're eager to share that with people.
2: Yeah, and actually, uh, gosh, I keep forgetting to show you the guys this picture. Two weeks ago, No. Turn five. We went to Chuck E. Cheese, right? I saw Whack a Mole there, so I played it like (laughs) four times just because we talk about parish life being Whack a Mole all the time. So, yeah, really, really, Whack a Mole is a great image for for parish life. So you know some people are probably hearing this and saying like, wow, I still don't quite get what you guys do. What does that really look like? Practically speaking, And we get calls from all over the country asking us to come and do various things, right? To, to just do ministry. Um, so, so talk more um, about, you know, how do we discern where God's going?
0: Yeah, the easiest way maybe to talk about um, what we do is to talk about how we do it, right? So from the very beginning, when we started, a key question for us was, how are we going to determine where to go? So we want to work with parishes, we wanna work with pastors. We're realistic, we're five people. Um, we don't think we have the answer for everybody. Um, we're pretty humble about our own gifts, whatnot. So how do we how do we determine where to go? So calls are coming in from people all around the country. We had a particular interest in certain areas of the country. Here's what, here's what happened. As we began to see what God was revealing to us, And then to talk about that, to pray about that, uh, and really to argue about it, which was really good, right? Healthy conflict, as Pat Lancioni often says. Mm -hmm. Um, We landed at this. We wanted to go where we were being invited to come by a successor of the apostles. That is to say, we determined finally that we will go where bishops invite us to come and to speak to all of their clergy uh, at once, in like a diocesan convocation or perhaps a, a retreat that's set aside for just this purpose. Mm-hmm. And, you know, huge for us, always in the back of our mind, was the impact and the influence of one of our patrons. Mm-hmm. So we have a number of patrons and intercessors in Acts 29. Um, St. Anne, who's, you know, the mother of Our Lady and who's the patroness here in the Archdiocese of Detroit where we operate out of. But St. Paul was a huge influence on yeah. all of us, continues to be, right? And Paul had. Paul looks like, if you're reading the New Testament, whether it's the Acts or his letters, it looks like he's just being random, right? But Paul's not random any more than God is random. Paul has a strategy. He's trying to go to very particular locations for a purpose. We can unpack that maybe one day. Um, as he goes to these places, he's trying to deliver something, right? He's preaching mm-hmm. the gospel. Yeah. And then he's not just preaching the gospel. He's also raising up and equipping leaders. And so that's kind of what we see as what we're trying to do. We're trying to be very strategic. We want to go where a bishop invites us to come, but not just any bishop, a particular kind of bishop. We call him a what? A general. Yeah, we call him a general. Meaning what? We're looking, we want to partner with bishops who share our vision. They too want God's word world back. And one of the ways that we talk about that, uh is he wants to establish a beachhead in his diocese, right? So we go where those guys call us, we go, and then what do we do when we show up?
1: We actually begin our time together just pouring into the presbyterate for like two and a half days right. for a diocesan clergy event.
0: It yep. usually starts with a retreat, and then the retreat, that, that's usually me, right? I'm kind yeah. of unpacking right. the kerygma. Right. Then that that culminates in this tremendous time of renewal and healing for the priests if they want to receive some prayer for healing. And then I really hand it to you guys the next day. It's more like a workshop where right.
2: you guys unpack. What do you unpack? I mean, just, just inner dynamics of parish, right? Leadership, teamwork, and uh, and really... You know, spending time uh, with, with, the, with what seems so easy but so often is um, ambiguous, and that is like discerning God's will as a team, right? The primary presence of prayer. Yeah, and right. we're going to spend a ton of time
0: unpacking those in times to come. So that's that's what we try to do. So the first thing for our strategy is we respond to an invitation from the bishop Um, who we perceive, you know, and and sharing our vision. We go there, we do this retreat, we do a little workshop, we share our principles, and then we sit down with the bishop. We just did this the other day with with the diocese, with his leadership team, and say, okay, so you've seen what we do. Now give us like five to ten pastors who, again, using the military image, and trust me, there's lots of other images, and I don't want to turn anybody off by that, but the military image would be, these are colonels, right? So these are guys that... That the bishop thinks and his leadership team thinks um, they've, they have a hunger and a desire to see transformation in their parish as well. And then we kind of do like a mutual intake process, right? We get that down to three, four, five parishes. And then there's two things, I think anyway, that really stand out about what we do, right? So one of them is we, we go, we're on the ground, and the other is our rate. You want to say more about that, Nick?
2: Yeah, the cost Per X 29 is zero, right? We don't charge any fees. So when we, when we partner with the diocese or a parish, our ask is that you would just simply get us there and put us up. Right.
1: And that's a biblical model, isn't it?
2: That's right. We, I mean, St. Paul says, freely I have received, freely I'm at to be right? Right. That's, that's what we're trying to emulate there. I think it's Jesus, actually. I've said that oh, to you. Oh,
0: yeah. I, I got corrected on that. It's like, uh, Padre, I think <laughs> Jesus said that. So, yeah. Uh, freely you are yeah, to give. <laughs> so freely we receive from the Lord and freely we give by all means. So, yeah, there's no charge. And then the other thing is we try not to do things remotely, right? I mean, clearly you're going to have times when you've got to be doing things by phone or by video conference. But at the heart of our work of
1: parish transformation, we're on the ground, right? We're on the ground. And we've used this term embedding in the parish Mm -hmm. just to really invest in them over like a set of maybe three crucial visits that are maybe three to five days in length. Just key meetings and observing culture and and then starting to go deep with some of our principles that we'll talk about a little bit later on. And I also think what makes this, uh, this mission so unique is that we have a pastor on the ground with us. And I think that's crucial because a pastor needs to minister to a pastor, right? Not that there's not room for lady, right? Because we all have our role in that. But in conversations over the last set of years, pastors are looking for other pastors who have done the work, and they're looking for a mentor, and they're looking for a coach. And that's, in, in, in that regard, I think we have something unique here. Father? Yeah,
0: I certainly don't have all the answers by any means. I mean, uh, but it does help to have been in the chair. And so I've been a pastor for 15 years. Uh, and I felt pretty clearly like God was calling me out of that for the sake of being able to help my brothers. Uh, and it's just a great gift to do that with you guys. So, yeah.
2: So that team, that brings us to, to, to really why. So, so, you know, we talked about what we're doing, talked about, why, you know, how we're going to do it. But why? Why are we doing this? You know, what makes this so important today? And, um, you know, to kind of rehash, you know, God's, we say God's called us out of parish ministry for the sake of parishes. So, at the heart of our thinking, uh, we have what we call our three fundamental convictions. Um, so, Father John, what's, what's our first one? Yeah, so first
0: fundamental conviction is that the world is crying right now. What's that mean?
2: Yeah, so we like to talk about a Mitch Album article titled, Why Is Living Shorter, Dying Sooner, A New Trend? And in this article, he makes a really startling point about our current reality. He says, life expectancy in this country will drop for the third straight year. The last time that happened was 100 years ago. What was going on 100 years ago?
1: Well, the Spanish flu and uh, World War I, right?
0: Yeah, so just back up for a second. So just hear that again. So the life expectancy in the United States of America... With everything that we have, all our technology, all our access to healthcare, even if everybody doesn't have it, all of our wealth, we're living shorter in this country. That should just stagger
2: us. Why? Sociologists would say it's due to something called deaths of despair,
1: hopelessness, right? That's right. Who's so, name? not the Who's Catholic name? Church. Right. Not
0: some you know, Catholic blogger, sociologists are saying that the cause for this is deaths of despair, and they primarily identify three, right? What are they? Cirrhosis of the liver. Yep. That's brought on by what?
2: Alcohol addiction yeah. in? Especially 25, 25 to 34 25 to 34-year-olds, right? right. Mm.
1: Second one. Opioids. So we're, we're, we're uh, 5% of the world population, yeah. and we consume 80% of,
0: of the, the opioids. opioids. Right. And then the last one's suicide. you know So I', I lost a, a brother-in-law to suicide, I lost an uncle to suicide. Um, the suicide rate in the last 20 years in rural America is up 40 percent. The three of us we just came across a, a statistic the other day showing that the, uh, the, the second leading cause of death amongst 10 to 14 year-olds in our country, 10 to 14 year- olds is suicide. It's tripled. In the last 10 years, right? And by all means, there are a boatload of causes to this. We don't want to be simplistic. Um, But I would argue that at the heart of this, um, it's simply because as God gets pushed off the stage, Mm -hmm. the creature that's made in his image and his likeness loses any sense of meaning, right? It's only, uh, the church would always teach, it's only in the light of Jesus, God made man, that we ever fully learn how to live and what life is about. And so that, that's the first fundamental conviction that we have, huh? Is that the world in which we're living, in a unique way, because it's been, it's been crying ever since Adam and Eve rebelled against God, to be sure. But right now, in a unique way, especially in our country, riddled with despair, loneliness, alienation, uh, it's crying in a very unique way. But there's a second
2: fundamental conviction, too, right? That's right. The Lord institutes the church... To be the means by which the cry of the world is answered, right? Yeah,
0: I mean, Jesus founds the church so that people can experience the Father's love, come to know their identity as his beloved sons and daughters, experience the transformative power of the Holy Spirit.
1: But what's the problem there? Well, here's the challenge. The church... Is crying, mm-hmm. and so maybe you've noticed. Yeah. So how is she crying? So right, you've noticed because you're reading the papers, and you're on social media, and you're in the blogosphere, and you're you're reading everything that's coming out of the Vatican. There's a ton of confusion coming out rather regularly, whether it's the Amazonian synod, whether it's the Pachamama crisis, or or the German synod, and it all started like really a set of months ago, like an avalanche. With um, well, it's just one word, right? It's, it was, it's McCarrick, right? right? That, that began an avalanche of uh, really crushing, devastating news, the sexual abuse crisis, the, the grand jury report. And this is all, like, like, I'm passionate about this because this has touched my family. Mm-hmm. Like, like, we're intimately connected with this particular cry. And then as you read into all of the media, like, like bishops and leaders are speaking out against each other about some very, very fundamental truths in the church just this last week, I read isn't it Bishop Connolly is stepping aside from Lincoln? You know he's 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 yeah stepping crushed. aside because
0: out of anxiety and depression, right? Right. right. So he's yeah. crushed. Mm-hmm.
1: He's 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 um he's got a lot of anxiety, right? Right. He's just he, he's bearing the weight of that other way that the church is crying, and it's that parish life. Uh, our pastors are crushed. Our, uh, our, our lay leaders are, are crushed. Our parishes are packing. Are, are perishing for a vision, Father, as you often say. But our bishops are tired. They're stepping back. Yeah. I think
0: everybody who works in parish They're weary. is tired. So you got a couple right. of different levels to the church's cry, right? So on an international level, you got this confusion that so many people are experiencing coming out of the Vatican. On a national level here, you've got the abuse crisis, which has just caused an avalanche, as you said, Mary. What's the stat that uh, Bishop Barron uses
2: all the time? Yeah. Thirty-seven percent of Catholics currently in the church, right, are considering leaving due to the abuse crisis. Right. So that's the national
0: level. But quite honestly, for us who are just doing parish ministry, to be sure, (laughs) the confusion that's out there amongst the hierarchy and uh, and certainly the abuse crisis has been a major, major earthquake. But in the day-to-day experience of parish life, here's the challenge: Um, we're exhausted. Like. We see this over and over again with the priests that we're ministering to. Um, Guys feel alone, discouraged, tired. We just came across uh, that AP story that was published in the newspaper last Mm -hmm. week. One guy in particular, he's not all that in common, quite frankly, he doesn't take a vacation. He goes to see a therapist on his vacation to try to deal with his trauma, right? I just got out of parish ministry at the end of June, um, took the month of July off just to kind of pray and rehash and retreat. Three weeks into it, I realized, I think I'm in mm. the middle of PTSD. Mm. Like, my my life wow. was so accustomed to just being on a swivel, because that's parish life, or at least it is in a big parish, mm. right, where you're just going from crisis to crisis to crisis, and you go from thing to thing to thing, and you stop thinking and praying in the way that, Mary, you were talking about earlier, that you would like to be able to do. You just live in reaction mode, right. and sooner or later, your nerves just snap. And we see that all the time. The moment that we go to places and we begin to talk about these things, priests open up as if to go, you mean it's okay to be able to acknowledge that? And the answer is emphatically yes. We don't want to live there, okay, because we want this to be about hope. Mm -hmm. But yes, it's okay to acknowledge that. We show guys all the time that scene in Hacksaw Ridge, right, that uh, movie about the true story and Desmond Doss, where there's a scene where these... These soldiers are going up to battle, but they're brand new recruits. They've never been there, right? Right. So they don't know what battle's like. No, they don't. They're like newly ordained priests, Mm -hmm. but they're like, you, I'm going to go work in the diocese. and I'm going to change the world. It's going (laughs) to be great, right? Mary's like, hey, I want to serve in a parish. It's going to be beautiful. And as they're on their way up to the battlefield, down come these trucks, right, loaded with the soldiers that they're replacing, and they're dead, wounded, and dazed. And, And we show that when we go out and retreat. With priests, And almost every time, tons of guys are just crying. Like, that's me. Whether you're ordained or you serve in a parish or you work in a diocese, that's me. How many people have we talked to in the last few weeks, laymen and women, either working in a diocese or working in a parish, who've said things like, I have never seen dysfunction
2: like this. I'm going back to my secular world, right? Right. That's right. I mean, seminarians... You know, uh, saying things to us like you know, using the imagery of uh, going up on the ridge to fight. You know, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm getting suited up to go into battle right now. But I'm watching my soon-to-be brothers here fall off the ridge, you know, because they're just getting blasted by, by the reality of parish life right now.
1: And and I think at the very beginning of uh, when we started to build this mission with the Lord, uh, priestly renewal was very much on our minds, but I don't think any of us really appreciated um, where our brothers were at. Into yeah, I knew where I was and started. Well, you know where you. But but it was where, comforting to realize, like, like you're not, not alone. alone. <laughs> yeah, you're not alone, right? right? And that's just it. So many of them feel like they're all alone. Right. And so that that that's really one of our pillars, right? Is is just pouring into the heart of a pastor so they can go about doing the work of transformation. But that's the priority is to minister to them, right? That's yep.
2: exactly right. I mean, if you're a layperson right now and you're listening to this and you and you and you're kind of close to a priest at all just i mean just ask him you know how are you doing you know i mean are you doing all right i mean it, it is it is such a even more pointed if Invite i can him say dinner,
0: you know, ask him what can i pray for for you because mm. when you ask me the question how you doing in my mind i'm going how am i possibly going to begin to explain to you how i'm doing right. so i'm just going to go you know what Uh-oh. i'm good I'm all right, just pray for me. when in fact, I'm crying like crazy inside from a lot of things because it's so hard to communicate what a priest's life is like. Yeah, you're a first responder., absolutely. So here's the key, right? So here's what's happening right now. So we talk about the cry of the world, we talk about the cry of the church. and you know, most of this stuff's very familiar to those of you who are listening to us right now. But here are experiences. a lot of people who are talking about these things right now in Catholic circles, whether it's on blogs or Catholic radio or whatnot. It just stays stuck in that conversation about, yeah, things are really bad. Things are really bad. Things are really bad. And I don't know about you guys, but the people that I'm talking to who are feeding on this, it's breeding fear, uh, division, discouragement, uh, and just a sense of hopelessness, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some people are starting to like, man, I wish I could go back to fill in the blank time because that was Mm -hmm. a better time to live. The church Mm -hmm. in her glory back in, you know what? There was never really
0: that great of a time. Yeah, there was never a golden age. There was right. never not, a not since age. Adam and Eve walked out of no, Eden, right? No. Augustine used to say all the time, uh, "Did you forget the flood, people?
1: <laughs> or maybe Sodom and Gomorrah, right?" And that tone lends to like a sense of paralysis. It does. Like, like you feel immobilized, like I can't do anything, right? Right. But God is inviting us to do something.
0: Absolutely. Right. And and that's our third fundamental conviction, and this is really at the heart of the message of hope, right? So. I appreciate people who are like, man, I wish I lived at an easier time, but you only think it was easier because you didn't live in it. Here's the reality. Um, You and I are not alive right now by chance. Like God could have created you to be alive at any moment in history. He could have created Nick to be alive and like, 5th century Mesopotamia, right? Mary could have been alive in 13th century France. And Chris over there, who we won't give a mic to today, um, she could have been alive in the 1920s, right? But but he didn't want you to be alive in the 20s or in the 5th century in Mesopotamia or you in France. He wanted you to be alive right now at this time. And he's equipped you with very particular gifts and very particular talents for this moment, right? So God is creating this masterful mosaic And a mosaic's made up of all these little tiles, which they don't look like they make much sense if you pull them out of the mosaic, but it's only all together that you can see the big picture. And and I don't know if I'm a little tile, big tile, I don't know if you're a little tile or a big tile, Nick, all I know is your tile is irreplaceable and unique, and the mosaic isn't complete if you don't let God use you with all the gifts and the talents that he's equipped you with so as to be placed into that mosaic. For us, this really gets concretized with St. Joan of Arc, right? Right. So St. Joan of Arc, one of our heroes, um, near the end of her life, uh, asked about what's going on and it gets concretized or uh, you know, succinctly summarized in this way. She said, I'm not afraid. God is with me. I was born for this. And at the heart of our message of hope, at least today, right, we want to convey two things to everybody. First of all, Um, You were born for this very moment that you're living in. Don't be frustrated. Don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid. God has chosen you to be alive now, and he's got a role and a mission for you, whether you're a stay-at-home dad or a mom or a physician or an attorney or you work in a parish or you're a pastor, God's creating something masterful. The bigger reason for hope is really simple. Jesus is Lord. I don't care how it seems right now. Jesus is Lord, which means nobody else is. Heaven and earth, all authority has been given to him for both. And he holds the world firmly in his hands. And it might not look like he knows what he's doing right now, but he does. It's only when you step out of history that you can see things with that eternal perspective. You and I are living history Right now, And we are privileged to be alive at this time when the world's crying the way she is, and our country's crying the way she is, and the church is crying the way she is. Don't wring your hands. Don't give up hope. Don't be afraid. Rather, keep saying to the Lord, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to get involved? What are you asking of me?
2: And trust that he's going to speak, right? That's right. That's so encouraging that... I mean, we were born for right now. You know, if, if, if anyone out there is, is like I like I have been in life, you know, I, I should have been born in the, when the West was wild, as they say, and, uh, you know, with horseback and stuff, you know, that's, that's not true. Right now is, is the time God had intended from the beginning for Nick Jorgensen, for you, for me, to live, to help answer that cry of the world. And so... Um, as part of our podcast, uh, I just I just want to invite everyone out there. We would love to have you respond and, and, and send in your questions. From time to time, we'll be answering those. And uh, you can do that uh, by by sending us an email to podcast at x29.org. That's podcast at A-C-T-S-X-X-I-X dot org.
0: Yeah, thanks, Nick. Thanks, Murray. It's great to be together with you guys. Look forward to doing these in the future. This is just a lot of fun. Again, we've... We don't have all of the answers. Nobody has all of the answers for transforming parishes. But we do feel like God's given us some answers. And in these weeks to come, and these months to come, we just look forward to sharing those with you. Because, again, all of this properly belongs to Him. And we just want to give it all away. So thanks for listening. We look forward to having you join us uh, in our next podcast. And remember this. Please, we beg you, don't be afraid. God is not nervous. He's with you, and you were born for this.